Welcome to Treasure Mountain, the podcast that inspires and guides people to find the treasure within human experience. I'm your host, Sol Hanna. From time immemorial, we have looked up to heroes for guidance and as models of how to live an excellent life. People with virtues such as courage, patience, kindness and wisdom. But who are these heroes today? We live in an age of celebrity and social media influences. Are celebrities and social media influences our heroes? To answer these questions and more, we have with us our return guest, Aya Santusika from Karuna Buddhist Vihara in Northern California to discuss the topic of heroes versus celebrities in the age of social media. And I think she's well qualified to speak on this topic, having attained a BS and MS degree in computer science and worked as a software designer and developer for 15 years in the San Francisco Bay Area Aya Santusika is a little bit familiar with computers and the internet. And on the other hand, she's had a search for deeper meaning and ways to be of service. And that led her to train as an interfaith minister in a four-year seminary program that culminated in a Master's of Divinity degree. Later, her quest led to her ordaining as a Buddhist nun. And Aya Santusika has been a bhikkhuni now since 2012 and she has kindly offered her time to reflect on our current fascination with the rich and famous and what that says about where we are at in our present culture, as well as our search for nobler human qualities. Welcome back to Treasure Mountain Podcast, Aya, and Happy New Year. How are you today? Thank you, Sol. It's good to be back, and today I'm doing fine. Thank you. I, I believe it's a very, very wet day there in Northern California. Yes, yes. It's actually a stormy day with many weather warnings, high winds, torrential rains, flooding trees falling but it's pretty natural <laughs> it is all part of nature and uh, i just do hope that all the the bikunis are safe and warm uh, as we get this interview underway um, i'd like to start by defining our terms aya how would you personally distinguish between a hero and a celebrity Well, I personally would say that I, th I think what I would say is probably what many people would say, that a hero is someone who's really worthy of respect, and that's based on their virtues and their good qualities and their good actions. And we might see that in certain celebrities, but we also might see quite the opposite 
and you know so it really is a matter of understanding you know what's what's of real value what do we really want to emulate do you think that a celebrity is like a hollowed out form of heroism um, that was just on my mind because we we do admire celebrities and we admire heroes, but I'm, I'm wondering whether there is this kind of we want heroes, but we've kind of settled for celebrities. What what are your thoughts on that? I think it's something more about confusion um, that we. It's, it's not so easy to find a hero, in my experience. And so we do settle for being engaged and um, looking to people who have fame and fortune, that kind of celebrity status. But I think that that really rests in a kind of confusion and not really quite knowing where to look um, for someone that we can really emulate. And so hmm. I don't think it's really a hollowed out version. I just think that we need to reflect upon and remind ourselves of what's really what's really worthy of respect, what's really worthy of our um, of our following in line with kind of approach to things. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good answer. But I just, I, when I think of, you know, I'm, I'm a high school teacher and I think that young people really do look to celebrities as mm. or social media influencers as people to emulate and follow. And in that sense, I feel that some there is some crossover with the idea mm of a hero because we kind of aspire to them i'm just wondering you know we've got people who are pretty or charismatic or edgy or wealthy or famous and these are the people who we currently you know and i speak broadly speaking about our society these are the people who we admire why aren't we seeking out people with genuinely good qualities like courage compassion and wisdom and what does it say about our society is it just confusion Well, I guess confusion's at the root of it, in my opinion, but it also comes back to how much exposure have we had, maybe in our family or with our friends, any discussions around, you know, what we really value mm -hmm. and what's worth valuing. And so, you know, I see this uh, among young people as well as older people and the when when we have the opportunity to discuss what we really think is important at any age, uh, it brings more clarity and it brings more more um, a more conscientious approach. I, and and I think a lot of the time we just don't even think about it. We go along with the crowd. You know, we get swept along with this kind of um, excitement of the the fame, the influencers, uh, and we, we, it's, it's more challenging to really find true heroes 
and to develop the qualities in ourselves that are that's going to um, resonate with that. So I, th I really think that the whole of the Buddhist teachings are really at the basis for this difference in who we look to. And having more conversations about who's really worthy of our respect and our attention is really important. And I don't know what they're doing in other parts of the world, but here in California, they've started to mandate classes in social-emotional learning. And my daughter actually is a, a school psychologist, and she's tasked with, the, with creating a course for students to engage in on a weekly basis around this issue. And one day she said to me, hey, this may sound strange, but I just finished five weeks of talking about kindness. And it didn't sound funny to me right. at all, of course, because <laughs> this is so valuable. And the more that we, as part of our society, uh, open up the options, the opportunities for any of us at any age to really discuss this and reflect upon it, I think the more we can make um, really considered choices around who we're following instead of just being kind of drawn into the excitement or seeking someone that we want to follow, put our interest in, put our faith in without a strong basis. I think that's really, that resonates with me. I, I think, I guess it is easier just to go along with the flow of uh, entertainment and celebrity and so forth. But I've also found that when we actually take the time to deliberately talk about what we value, all of a sudden it comes to the surface. But of course that takes a little bit more mental effort to focus on that. Before I move on, I did want to just ask you from uh, your perspective as a Buddhist nun, a bhikkhuni, what, do you, what would you define as a hero? personally? Well, the hero is certainly someone who also reflects on what's important, what's valuable, what's worthy of respect. And I, I realized that as when I was thinking about this topic, when I was young, I didn't have any heroes. I couldn't really, I didn't really feel drawn to sports figures or actors or any of the people that were kind of big in media. And it was challenging to know, you know, who has wisdom and what is it? And how can I find someone that I can trust to follow? And I think really and truly my, my personal experience is the one hero that I've really found is the Buddha. And he's, he's the, the really complete example of what we're looking for. Now, that doesn't mean all of our heroes have to be quite that perfect. But to be able to really have good moral virtue and kindness and compassion, being really honest and kind, um, you know, those, those qualities that really do not harm and that calm down um, our, our greed and our hatred. Those are the qualities that are really 
valuable and our society doesn't always prop those people up. Um, you know, I, if you think about, you know, who have been the heroes throughout history, a lot of times it's the generals, it's the people who have participated in a lot of killing. And of course, it's because mm. they've uh, protected the society or furthered the society that we're in. But to really think about whether or not we want to hold that in the highest regard is, is so important. And then, of course, you know, wanting to kind of be involved in what's exciting and new, what everybody else is doing. This is a natural thing for human beings. But it doesn't leave us feeling solid and secure internally. It leaves us feeling... I think anxious and ultimately unsatisfied. And that does seem to be the the plague of the age is the the anxiety and the dissatisfaction within us. Um, I want to just comment. Um, you mentioned before, like about where people's attention is at and how often we go with the flow. Um, and one of the things that strikes me in the public domain of the internet and the media in English-speaking societies, we've directed our trust towards people who may be wealthy or famous or good-looking or whatever, but they haven't always had the inequalities of stability and, and uh, honesty and integrity. Uh, and so as a consequence, we've kind of got people who've often been undermined by that fame. So, for example, we've seen, you know, evangelical preachers who've achieved wealth and fame only to be undone by not practicing what they preach or through a manic lifestyle, you know, of wealth and fame that can that can suddenly be conveyed on people for instance movie stars pop stars or even politicians it seems that fame and celebrity has numerous inherent dangers what are some of the dangers associated with fame well the buddha was very clear about this and in fact there's a discourse in the middle length discourses where he lays out uh, what he thinks his followers should do in terms of inquiring whether or not he's fully enlightened. And it refers to how a person handles fame. And he said, you don't know whether this person, this person might be very good, but you don't know if they're going to run into trouble with fame until they become famous. And so you see someone has become famous, and then you look at what that's doing, them how they're handling it and we can see some people um, I'm thinking of some monastics that get quite famous for example but they stay true to their monastic form and they don't amass wealth and they don't really care how many people are watching they just want to share the Dhamma and you share the gift so regardless of what you're doing with your life um, you know, the first danger, I think, in, in celebrity is believing what people are saying about you, buying into this image that you're given, because 
it's never really who you are. I mean, there's no real us anyway. But the point being that when we when we are put up on a pedestal, even as a even as a Buddhist teacher, you can be put up on a pedestal, and what people are projecting isn't really what's there. But if we start believing in that, then we can get into trouble. And we believe that we're more infallible than we are. We, we believe that we have the right to or have somehow achieved the wealth or the popularity. And then, and then people begin to misuse the wealth that comes their way and the power that comes their way. And so it's, and, and where are the downfalls? You know, it's, it's with regard to having power over other people, with regard to a misuse of wealth, and, and oftentimes uh, inappropriate sexual behavior. And so you start to see what happens with people and how they speak and how they act. And if the person isn't coming back to humility and a kind of... Um, I'm searching for the right word. It's it's like a a soft understanding of who they actually are and the difference between that and how it's being presented, what people are seeing. They can get into trouble. And even I've noticed, you know, like teaching at a big retreat venue. Um, I've been on both sides of it, up on the stage, the way people see you is like bigger than life. And I've been in the <laughs> in the yogi side seeing the teacher up there and you know day after day and you start to have this image of them and you feel this connection with them and pretty soon you want them to be your teacher and you know and 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 yet there it's it has a a distortion in it. And and so when we're in that position of being put on a pedestal, we have to climb down and and be real. Mm -hmm. And we can still, you know, kindly care for the people who are um, wishing for someone who knows and can show them the way. And we can still help them, but not from that place. Um, Ajahn Pasano, once we were talking about this, and he said, yeah, when you get up on a pedestal, it's a long fall. <laughs> and that's what we're mm. seeing, you know. So I think I that's think that's totally true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really what we need and to look at. I really appreciate one of the words you used there is that idea of distorted perception and that those of us in the crowd who are looking on at the you know the person on the on the dais or on the screen we can develop this perception that they're bigger than life but actually they're still just a human being um i think it's good to be aware of that i think that's a really important point but you know i guess part of the problem is that we as human beings we are social animals and we naturally crave the positive esteem of others uh, but for a practicing Buddhist, how should we consider this urge for positive reputation? I mean, not not necessarily even on the big stage, but just within our, you know, our immediate social group. You know, that urge for reputation. How should we think of it? 
I think we should think of it as a good thing and really look at what what is um, what are the qualities that really make that true and correct and and right and the Buddha talked about this how important it is to have a good reputation and that it comes from having wisdom and in that case he defines it as knowing what's skillful and what's unskillful so knowing what's wholesome what's unwholesome and then he says energy the energy to cultivate the wholesome and reduce the unwholesome and then living a blameless life being virtuous and of course generosity and kindness and uh, he's he's very clear about how we can establish a good reputation and it's solid it's not like we have to be feel like we have to hide anything you know especially you know maybe we could think about uh, heroism in a little bit different way that it's really about the qualities themselves and so when we find someone who has more wisdom than we do we can look to that and learn from that but that person might not have the other positive qualities that we would look to and we find that in someone else and the Buddha talked about that too and he said you know look for people who are really advanced in virtue and emulate that and look for maybe it's someone else who's really advanced in generosity and emulate that and so m instead of the the easy package of someone we just want to follow looking more at the specifics of you know what it is that's worthy of that in in, in an individual person um, I also just wanted to ask a question, um, which I, I, you've kind of answered it, but there's a lot of us who are living our lives online today. Um, and I know just for myself, you know, I'm producing a podcast. I need to promote it. I want people to listen to it and like it. Mm -hmm. But are there any, you know, are the incentives of social media, which, you know, to get more clicks and more likes, yeah. Is seeking an online audience inherently dangerous or can we protect ourselves in some way? Yeah, I think, I think there is a danger there, but we can protect ourselves because we can notice, oh, my, my ego is puffing up, my, my greed is growing, and we don't want that, of course, when we think about it. We realize how... Mm fragile that is and how um, unsatisfying that is and and I think the key to the protection is to think of what we offer as a gift and if we keep if we keep that in mind what is the gift that I'm giving being glad when people pick it up knowing that it's wholesome and good for them and wanting them to pick it up in a way that's good for them uh, this is something that Ajahn Ganha uh, in Thailand really emphasizes. He says, do everything you do as a gift. And so whatever our work is, if it's a gift, um, it, it really eliminates all of the, the ego investment, the 
disappointment when people are um, not happy with what we're doing. We just kind of go back and, and produce that gift um, with the guidance of how to do it better. And it's, it's really beautiful that way. And then it's like we can feel it inside. It's like even though we're doing these things on the internet, we can, we can really get a sense of people, of whether what they're doing has that um, stickiness in it or not. And we can know it in ourselves. We know when it feels solid and clean, and we know when it feels like grasping and anxious. That's very true, and I love that. That's a very beautiful way of thinking of, of as a gift, because also that's something we let go of. So if we put something out there and people don't like it or they don't appreciate it or they don't care, well, just let it go. Uh, I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, I did want to ask this question, which I think you've kind of answered, but I, I do think it deserves to stand alone, um, which is how can Buddhism, as it comes into the West, avoid falling into um, this craving for fame, this cult of personality, and just stay dedicated to the principles of virtue, serenity, and wisdom. How, how can we do that when there are clearly these inherent dangers of seeking fame in, for, its, for its own sake? Yeah. Well, first I'll say that these dangers are exacerbated by being in a position where you need to earn money by teaching Dhamma. Oof because then there's even more um, pressure to say what people want to hear. And so they'll be more interested in coming and maybe kind of reshaping the message of the Buddha or leaving certain things out. And that is a slippery slope. And so it's not impossible to you know, say, live as a lay person. If you live as an alms mendicant, it makes it a lot easier. You're still not 100% safe. You have to be careful uh, watching your mind. But when we start to see that we're shaping the message, not just so people can understand it better, but so that people are going to be more interested in, in it and not offended by you know, some of the aspects that are more difficult to take in. When we start to do that, then we need to really check on ourselves. When we, when we are teaching Buddhism, if we're saying things that the Buddha didn't say, we are on thin ice. And we need to be careful about that. And when we're leaving things out that the Buddha really emphasized, then we need to really reflect and be careful about that. And the best safety mechanism is to have a strong community of peers who can discuss this and point out to us what's going on. And so it's one of the beauties of living the monastic life. I have other bhikkhunis around me and bhikkhus and, you know, people who we can talk, we can talk about these things and we can help each other. And I think the same thing can happen mm -hmm. in, in lay circles as well. You know, to understand what it is actually that the Buddha taught. Um, forget about your branding. 
forget about whether or not people care who you are. Um, none of that is going to lead to happiness, really, or the goal that the Buddha laid out for us. That's an excellent answer, and thank you for that. I think I'll have to bear that one in mind. Um, and I do think that that having peers who are good and virtuous who can support you and and who aren't afraid to tell you if you're on the wrong track. <laughs> um, I wanted to reflect now upon a broader cultural phenomenon on the internet, um, and it's. I think it's quite pertinent that you raise that whole issue, not just of trying to seek fame, but also many who are making a living uh, via you know, YouTube or podcasts or, or, or social media. There is that pressure to make money. And one of the things I noticed over the last couple of years during you know the COVID pandemic and a stringent um, public measures to stop the spread, a lot of people turned online. Indeed, I noticed a substantial spike in online traffic to the Buddhist websites, which I've been part of running in the in the middle part of 2020 in particular. And it was also during this period of time that a lot of um, health-oriented social media influencers started to wander off the reservation and started spreading conspiracy theories and quack cures. And obviously, they were making money from that. And then they went on to start moving into this quasi-spiritual kind of teachings. Uh, they intuitively understood the power of being a spiritual guru and they were starting to be drawn to that. Uh, so they started off as health bloggers or beauty bloggers and all of a sudden they're starting to give spiritual advice. And I, mean, I, would, I will also just put in a plug for the Conspirituality podcast, which has been covering this phenomenon quite well. Uh, what do you think this tells us about the online audience in a time of crisis? Is there a genuine yearning for influential leaders that take us in a spiritual direction? Yes. <laughs> and I feel like um, this is this is true, it has always been true. Um, there is this desire to have guidance and leadership. Uh, and it's also always been true that when someone offers something that seems like a quick remedy, a quick fix, um, a cure-all, that it's very attractive and we're drawn to it. But I think it's a principle that we have to remember that there is no quick fix. And when we are, when we, our desire is strong, or anything, then we're vulnerable. We're more vulnerable to being being cheated, being um, scammed. And so that's the place to mm, check. You know, when I want something for free, that's when I'm going to get um, caught up in, in getting scammed. And so if I really mm. observe that and I, I look at, you know, what it really takes to develop spiritually, what it really takes to develop our character. And, you know, it's not to scare people off because even small increases in our, in our virtue and our kindness and our generosity and our, you know, uh, ability to still the mind, they bring results 
we get it, we get results along the way that are encouraging and calming and helpful. But it's not something that's instantaneous. So even the Buddha said, when you look at to someone as a teacher, you have to really evaluate them. You know, based on what you see and hear, do you see and hear the things that really indicate that this person does have spiritual attainment and wisdom? And then, you know, really um, noticing, you know, like what they do when they're famous, uh, really looking at, you know, how, how they handle temptation you know mm. and so what's happened when we when we move into the the online world and we can reach so many more people with so much speed do we have to be even more cautious and careful we have to remind ourselves you know this isn't going to this this kind of instant or immediate kind of um, you know solution isn't really going to lead to the long term valuable deep results. Um, why are so many of us so gullible to charismatic snake oil salesmen in the disguise of spiritual gurus? Is it just because they tell us what we want to hear? Yeah, I think they sound like they've really got something good and we want that. And, you know, mm. uh, when when we are, you know, you talked about being online and being isolated because of the pandemic. And when we're isolated, we can mm. get off track pretty easily We without the benefit of the feedback and reflection of the people around us. And this has always been true. It's just exacerbated or magnified so much through being online. And it's when I say it's always been That's true, it's even when, you know, the Buddha really praised solitude. So a lot of times people or serious practitioners want to spend time alone and they want to be off maybe in the forest somewhere. But oftentimes it leads to a distortion in our thinking that doesn't get mitigated by having people around us. And so this has been this has been an issue for people during the pandemic. We just don't have as much direct feedback from people we know we can trust. And so we get online and we get caught up in the online community. And so now mm. hopefully people are more able to reconnect with friends that they can they can know how virtuous or not those people are, what to trust them with and what not to. And this is this is a big help on seeking other people to help us know if we're making a good decision, maybe about, you know, purchasing something or getting involved in an investment kind of idea. Find someone else to that you trust to to talk to about it. That's really good advice. And that actually leads to my next question, which was, uh, how can we protect ourselves from falling under the influence of those who they may be charismatic and influential, but their intentions may not be compassionate and wise? 
And of course, we've seen examples, I mean, within the investment sphere, we've seen celebrities selling bogus cryptocurrencies and, you know, all of these kinds of things going on. You've mentioned the importance of getting advice from those who we trust. Does the Buddha have any other advice on this topic? I think it's really valuable when we think we see these exciting qualities or ventures to also look for the suffering that you can see inherent in the way people are presenting themselves. You know, there's a lot of suffering there. The intensity, um, you know, the claims. And when we start to see, how can I see this person as a whole person? How can I see anything about them, you know, that isn't just the, the facade that's being put forth? Maybe, maybe reading more, like you talked about, there are people who are reporting on the, the real story behind some of these, these adventures, adventures and people, you know, and to really, to really take that into account. Much of it's about stopping, pausing, bringing mindfulness to bear. You know, how can I look at this from a place of wisdom? And if, if we're alone too much, if we're doing this on our own too much, we can think, oh yeah, this is okay. I, this is what I want to do or whatever. We don't stop. We don't even know what to look at or look into when we stop. But, you know, that's why it's good to talk with others around us. Mm. Um, I want to start just veering back towards this idea of uh, the, the hero and the kind of qualities that we are looking for and, and should be looking for. So when we go to people online, uh, when we going to those influences and personalities, what are we looking for? And what should we be looking for? What qualities should we be looking for? One of the qualities that the Buddha talked about that I think is really interesting is looking for someone who doesn't put other people down. So, you know, he said, even if you have... Um, very good qualities, if you really are solid in those qualities, you won't criticize others for not having those qualities. And that's quite important. You know, looking for those who do not excite greed in others, or excite hatred or aversion in others. Do not add to the confusion that people already have. And so looking for people who really are presenting something that you feel really can't be argued against. You know, when you talk about being kind, who can argue against that? I mean, and you want to see that they really mm. are kind, the way they answer questions, the way they talk about their competition, if that's such a thing in their in their realm, the you know, uh, really really looking for action on those good qualities, and we can learn how to develop those ourselves, those things ourselves, and the more we do, 
the more we can see through someone who's not really presenting themselves honestly. The more honest we are, the more honest we are with ourselves, the more honest we are um, about life, clear about its ups and downs, those, those eight worldly winds of gain, loss, pleasure and pain, blame and praise and fame and disrepute, the more we're, we're aware that there's always the other side. You know, just like before when we alluded to getting on the pedestal and falling off of it, and this is, this is how it works in, in the world. There's always the other side. And pretty soon mm. we learn that we don't want to get puffed up by what we think is the positive. And so when we look to heroes, they're solid. You know, we can think, of, we, can, we can see someone as a hero because they're doing something wholesome beyond gaining something for themselves, maybe without any thought of gaining anything for themselves. And that's, that's when we really can feel safe and comfortable in following their example. Well, that's a lovely answer and brings me to my final question, which is how can those of us engaged in Buddhist practice be the spiritual heroes we aspire to be so that we no longer need others uh, any longer and we can, we, we can see the qualities that we admire developing within ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a step-by-step -step process. And it's very good to investigate the Buddha and see where our doubts might be about him and work our way through that and to really follow the entirety of his teachings, even the parts that are hard to look at so it starts, real progress, I think, starts with wanting, being willing to let go of even our most cherished views and opinions and see truth. And as we are honest mm -hmm. with ourselves about where we're at, then we can really start making good progress. And we develop it little by little. And we can feel that like building a wall building a, 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 a basis of safety and support and we can do it mm. it's within I, our human capability and that's what's so beautiful there isn't anything that the buddha taught that we can't do in terms of our, our virtue and our serenity and wisdom Hmm. Aya, thank you very much. I really want to thank you. This has been a, a wonderful interview. And on a personal level, I feel like I've really clarified uh, a lot of the questions I had in terms of how to interact in this pretty complex world online. So I really just want to say thank you very much, Aya, for, um, for offering this sage advice today. Thank you. You're welcome, Saul. 
And thank you to all our listeners for joining us uh, for this insightful episode of Treasure Mountain in which Aya Santusica has offered her sage advice on how to navigate this contemporary cultural world and to find truly noble and heroic leaders and teachers and ultimately to find those qualities that we admire in others to find those qualities within ourselves. You can find out more about Aya Santusika and Karuna Buddhisvahara via the links in the description below this episode. Treasure Mountain Podcast is part of the Everyday Dhamma Network. You can find out more about the Treasure Mountain Podcast by going to the links in the description below this episode. And you can also find out on the Treasure Mountain website information about all the previous episodes and guests, as well as transcriptions of our interviews. And if you go back to the Everyday dharma.net homepage you can discover more about the other podcasts on this network also i think you might like them tell me what you think by contacting me via the contact page and if you enjoy this podcast i'd appreciate if you could share this episode with your friends or other people who could benefit from its wise advice and if you like the podcast you can subscribe to treasure mountain podcast using your favorite podcast app in order to get notified about future episodes i hope you'll join us again for our next episode of treasure mountain as we seek for the treasure within. 